The FDF podcast is sponsored by Clark Energy, sustainably powering the food and drink sectors. FDF podcast, passionate about food and drink. Welcome to the FDF podcast, passionate about food and drink, sponsored by Clark Energy. My name is Emma Piercy and I lead on energy and climate change policy here at the Food and Drink Federation. And I'm delighted to have with me today Rosina Watson and Kanisha Garnett, both lecturers from Cranfield University, and also my colleague Mark Corbett, our Innovation and Skills Policy Manager at FDF. But firstly, I'd like you to introduce yourselves to our listeners and a little bit about yourself and, and also the work you do. So my name is Mark. I'm the FDF's um, Innovation, Employment and Skills Policy Manager. So I'll lead on those three areas. Um, on employment, it's all about labour shortages at the moment, but we do things around national minimum wage, um, inclusion and diversity, employment practices. On skills, it's about improving the skills provision that's out there for the industry, particularly around the apprenticeship levy, uh, making it more flexible, um, looking at how we um, help our businesses and support businesses in accessing the skills schemes that are out there, things like restart, kickstart and boot camps, and getting them all plugged in. And on innovation, it's looking at the long-term challenges for the industry. So it's one of the solutions for like, the labour shortages issue we're going through at the moment. If we want to decarbonise, technology is going to be really, really important. Um, so we see um, increasing the awareness and take up of innovation and technology in the sector as a really important way to address some of these big challenges um, for the industry. Thanks, Mark. Um, Kanisha, thank you for joining us today. Uh, what, what do you do at Cranfield? Well, I'm a lecturer and researcher at uh, Cranfield's School of Water, Energy and Environment. Um, I have expertise in strategic foresight. That might sound like a very heavy conceptual term. Uh, but in practical terms, what it means is that I, I often work with organizations to design and implement uh, foresight tools and processes. Um, and this is really to anticipate future change within the environment in which uh, an organization operates. Uh, this could be change to market structures, uh, competition, or change to the legislative environment that would impact on, on, on or, or influence business practice. Often I kind of support organizations in understanding the implication of change on their operations and on, on their customers as well, and support them in adjusting their strategies and plans to better manage uncertainty and build resilience into uh, build resilience to change really and including those kind of disruptive events like the pandemic which we're all experiencing at the moment and mm-hmm. can be quite unsettling mm-hmm. business. And, and Rosina, how about you? I'm senior lecturer in sustainability at Cranfield School of Management so uh, a neighbour school to to Kanisha's but I also head up the school's sustainability group so as a group our main mission is to help um, leaders and managers who come through the School of Management really think with the lens of sustainability. So really think about social and environmental impact as well as um, driving profitable businesses. So we teach core modules on sustainability and for example, the um, MBA, um, our Masters in Management. And we also run a specialist MSc in Management and Corporate Sustainability. And I'm a a relative newcomer to academia. So I spent about 17 years working in retail, primarily in Argos and Homebase. And I was Argos's first head of corporate responsibility um, between 2009 and 2013. So I can help advise people about how to embed sustainability in in the heart of their businesses, 
um, through that experience. That really sounds fascinating and I think a topic for, for another podcast as well. Um, but let me come to the, the first question um, and, and Mark uh, I shall come to you for that. With your focus on innovation, employment and skills, can you tell me about some of the work that FDF does with the universities and, and the key role of, of these relationships? So as I mentioned before, you know, our industry needs to decarbonise and decarbonise pretty rapidly. We've got short-term shocks around labour shortages and disruption to trade. Um, and I see automation, digitalization as sort of key solutions to those short-term and long-term challenges. And universities are well-placed at the cutting edge. So they deliver that pipeline of, of technology. They deliver that pipeline of, of talent as well. Um, they act as incubators and startup for businesses, like creative businesses and businesses that have that sort of sustainability focus. They help businesses to grow. They act as a hub. So that's really important for our sector, which is very dispersed across the country. They can bring businesses together. And I think also they have that role sort of cross, cross industry as well. So they can learn from other industries. So Cranfield is a case in point. You've got expertise in aerospace and, and, and automotive as well. And I think we can probably learn from those industries. They probably do things better sometimes than what we do. We can also look at what they do and apply technologies to our sector as well. So universities have a, a, a sort of multitude of roles which really support us. Um, we're working with the universities on our technology forum, which is our lead forum looking at innovation and promoting innovation within the sector. And we're also bringing in the universities into our innovation gateway. So this is the gateway where it simplifies access to the various support across the, the, the country um, on innovation, the expertise there, so that, so that um, businesses can tell us what their problem is and we can put them in touch with an expert in a catapult or a university or both to try and solve their problems and try and get them, you know, upping their game on innovation and technology adoption. Thank you, goodness, that's, that's just quite a lot there. And I mean, I think one thing that certainly comes to mind when I think about my own role in, in, in working on climate change and energy is indeed what you were saying about decarbonisation and the massive role universities have uh, in this area. And I'm thinking the Industrial Decarbonisation Research and Innovation Centre, for example, uh, that, that, that I'm involved with. And I also reflect on a, a report that Make UK uh, uh, published in, in early October around industry leading the way in green revolution tra and transition to net zero. And they note um, it, it, about sort of the skills gap that uh, companies have in preparing for the green transition, that a third are experiencing a, a skills gap. And uh, also the, the, the quote about 30% of businesses say that they need skills of level six or degree standard in the workforce to meet uh, green targets. Now, I understand, Kanisha and Rosina, that um, you've recently launched um, a, a new master's apprenticeship on sustainability. I'd love to hear more about this you know, and, and how this, how this will, will really contribute in this area. How did it come about and, and, and what does it involve? It's interesting, Emma, that you talk about the, the skills gap and that was something that we were very conscious of. But at the same time as there being a skills gap, there's also an accelerating need for these skills. So we've seen, um, you know, amongst the companies that we work with, more and more are looking to recruit sustainability professionals but also looking to improve the sustainability literacy of senior leaders across the organisation. So it's not just, you know, sustainability uh, professionals that need this knowledge. It's going to be everybody, whether you're in operations, in procurement, in HR. And for a long time, um, you know, I think uh, Kanisha and I have been colleagues working together on research for a long time. We've thought that the unique of Cranfield is that we work on this topic of sustainability from so many different angles. 
So as Mark said, from the technological side, um, whether that across different industries, um, around circular economy, as well as decarbonisation on the environmental side about biodiversity and regenerative agriculture. Um, but then also on the School of Management side, much more around what, what does it take in terms of leadership capabilities? How do you influence boards? How do you influence internal stakeholders? And my area of research about how businesses need to partner with other members of the system in order to drive sustainability change, particularly in the food and drink industry, which is, you know, has so many complex um, moving parts. So when the government approved this new um, level seven apprenticeship standard, the sustainability business specialist, we jumped on the opportunity to develop a, a course which really spoke to all those different multifaceted aspects of sustainability that brought together that technical innovation side with that management and leadership side. And that's that's how this this course came about. It's it's incredibly it's sort of well timing, I think, in terms of sort of COP26 as well, because the the, the profile that this is all having, it's really gaining a momentum um, and it's 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 so important. I mean, how, how do you think um, in terms of the, the, the food and drink industry then and, and tailoring it for this? How do you think this course will help students address some of the sustainability challenges? For example, packaging waste or uh, supply chain issues. Uh, I think it's a great question, really. Um, now, we have, as Rosina said, we've, we've really brought together faculty with a, a diverse kind of range of skill sets, sustainability skill set from, from our engineering um, and, and, and environmental science uh, faculty and our School of Management faculty. So we have uh, a very experienced and, and multidisciplinary cohort that's supporting, is, is really geared up to support sustainability leaders in, in a vast majority of industry. But if we're talking about um, the food and drink sector, I think it's important to, to recognize that um, employees are pretty much challenged, uh, particularly in the current climate, to, um, to, to deliver on their ambitions for sustainability. We saw the impact of the pandemic on the food and drink sector. With, with lots of companies really struggling in terms of business continuity. Um, and I think it's it's really about thinking through how you encourage companies and how you enable them, how you equip them with the capacity, the skills necessary to make good on their promise to be sustainable or to grow sustainably. Um, and, and, and that has to be demonstrated. Um, that promise has to be demonstrated through positive impact, business impact. So for the food and drink sector, I think, we 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 we've got experienced staff who can talk to them about diversifying and localizing supply chains, and um, talk to them about the practicalities of how you deliver ambitions to reduce food miles. Um, one of the the big challenges within this sector, and we were we were discussing it with uh, Rachel Mallows, who who gave an introductory talk. Rachel Mallows is uh, the Made in Northamptonshire um, food business champion. Um, and she she was talking about uh, packaging has been a, a, a challenge, an ongoing challenge within the food and drink sector. So how do we address kind of issues around packaging, dealing with, you know, uh, procurement policies and how that can be changed? Um, how can you start to think about diversifying supply chains, but thinking through um, purchasing um, procurement strategies that are in place for purchasing ingredients and other sorts of raw materials? Now, the course will support um, 
the sector in thinking through these challenges and identifying how you deliver on that promise of sustainability. You mentioned before that this was a master's apprenticeship on sustainability. So what does the, the apprenticeship aspect mean? What, what it means is that we, so the, the course of itself at Cranfield is um, uh, when students enroll, they're enrolling for an MSc in um, uh, sustainability. Now we have uh, taken that We have designed a course, really, the MSc in sustainability to align it with the level seven apprenticeship um, standard. Now, this is a standard that the government, as Rosina explained earlier, this is a standard that the government um, has released uh, just recently, a good couple of years now, actually. So it's not that recent. Um, And and essentially, that standard, um, which... Um, that standard is 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 something that allows uh, businesses themselves to uh, draw down from a levy that they pay into on an annual uh, basis. Um, this is the apprenticeship standard that's you know in, in put in place by government to support training and skills development across the business sector um, and, and 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 very widely across many many sectors so companies that have paid into this levy pot over the period a period of years are able to draw down uh, on it um, and access uh, education and training uh, across many levels mm-hmm. here at Cranfield we're talking about level seven so that's the yes. mastership that's the master's okay. level well, that's very helpful because I think, Mark, this has actually also been something that you've been working on, I think, as well with the apprenticeship levy. Um, but, but perhaps, you know, for our listeners, Mark, could you talk a bit more about this apprenticeship levy and, uh, and how it's helping businesses? As Kanisha said, it's employees that pay the levy if their wage bill is over three million and it's 0.5 percent um, of the annual pay bill that they pay into it. And it could be spent on apprenticeships. Um, so I do the good things first. I suppose the good things are that the standards are set by employers. You know, they work with employers and they set their own standards and they're really good. They're probably an improvement on the previous frameworks. Um, it's also focused business minds to be more creative about apprenticeship because they sort of because they have this money they need to spend. Um, they're finding ways to spend it and making things like this new master's program. Um, it's probably been directed more at the high skills, but this is probably not bad for the sector because we're short of skills at all levels. And increasing leadership skills in the sector is something we really needed to do. It's long been seen as a weakness in food and drink, so I see it as a really positive thing. Um, the more negative things about the levy is that it is restricted to apprenticeships. There are probably other ways that employers could upskill their workforce. Um, if you're looking at the ways that businesses are going to take on new technology in the future, maybe short, sharper, more focused courses would be beneficial for upskilling workers, in addition to these high skilled these um, high skilled apprenticeships as well. Um, we're also seeing a drop off in SME um, apprenticeship and participation. Um, there's been a huge drop off there. And as, and as a sector that's 97% SMEs, that's really, really bad news for our sector. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got to find a way of sort of firstly making the apprenticeship more flexible so it can be used on other skills, but also just increasing the numbers of apprenticeships coming through, making our sector more attractive and getting more apprenticeship numbers and reversing that long term decline. Yeah, that's helpful. Great. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, Rosina and Kanisha, in, in terms of uh, you know th- this course um, that that you've um, j- you're launching, um, who is it sort of specifically intended for? I mean, and 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 how will sort of individuals and employees employers uh, benefit from the course? Um, so thanks, Emma. Just to, to build on what, what Mark was saying um, and what Kanisha was saying, it, with this course in particular, the Cranfield MSc Sustainability. 
the apprenticeship levy means that of the £18,000 the course, two and a half year course would normally cost you, you can contribute 11000 of that from the apprenticeship levy. Um, when it comes to SMEs, we are offering a discount for smaller companies. So hopefully that will help resolve the, the issue that Mark raised about l- lack of accessibility for, for SMEs. Um, and, but, and, and the other point I wanted to make actually building on some of the previous comments was I think this is a really good opportunity for businesses to build capacity internally. When it comes to things like net zero, I think sometimes the immediate reaction is to bring in consultants um, to do to do work. But no one no one knows your business better than you. And I think building that capacity in your own team is is hugely valuable. And that's, I think, another benefit of, of the apprenticeship. Some of the modules that make up this apprenticeship are actually available as short courses as well, Mark. Um, we can give you more detail about that afterwards. So there was the opportunity for some short, shorter, sharper learning of, of some of the elements of the course for those that can't give the time to do the whole thing. Um, but, but coming back to the, the question that Emma asked about um, who's it for, I think, as I said at the beginning, we've, we've tried to design a course that will help broaden the capabilities of people who are already coming up as sustainability professionals whether on the environmental side or also on the social side if they're thinking more about ethical working practices and diversity and inclusion so if you come from a more technical background hopefully this course will help complement your technical skills with more management capabilities and if you're coming more up through the line management as a non-sustainability professional but you're starting to see um, sustainability come in much more to your into your role then this could help you sort of develop that that direction. So it's not it's for sustainability professionals who want to evolve and build their capabilities, but also for people who want to move um, more into that space. And, and, and I was going to say you mentioned capabilities there. Um, what, what what do you see as some of the the key challenges facing businesses around increasing their capabilities in this area, sustainability and net zero? Um, so. Sometimes I think it's a lack of confidence um, and a lack of, you know, there's a lot of jargon in this space, isn't there? And, um, you know, consultants would like to sort of blind you with with jargon. And um, so I think sometimes it's confidence, um, ability to sort of learn this new language. Um, But I think it's also about really seeing how this is critical to your core business um, strategy and the, the sort of ongoing success of your business going forward. So not seeing sustainability as something that's nice to have but something that's a must-have um in in order yes. to you know help build the resilience of your supply chain reduce reduce your costs but also make you a, a supplier of choice whether that's in within a business to business setting or a supplier of choice to, to your to your customers so i think really thinking about how addressing social and environmental challenges is actually critical to your long-term um corporate corporate strategy helps to, to to raise its its priority um oh, definitely mm. yeah I, I, I agree with that completely um and, and mark same question to you when we talk about move to decarbonisation and sustainability what other things uh, come to your mind from a skills and innovation perspective um about, uh, about sort of challenges that facing businesses um, a few things, really. So as a sector, we're going to be competing with other sectors in attracting talent. Um, someone with good digital skills can work across different industries. Um, so pay is one factor. But, um, social responsibility, corporate responsibility is increasingly important, particularly for millennials. And we need to think about the attractiveness of the sector. 
we need to have more diverse routeways into the industry. So having a master's apprenticeship is a great thing. Um, degrees, degree apprenticeships and apprenticeships all can feed different people in and we get that more diverse workforce as well. Um, as I said before, we've got a huge amount of pressure in the industry. We've got a perfect storm of post-Brexit transition. We've got labour shortages, increasing production costs. Um, we've got the extended producer responsibility um, and now fuel prices and increasing commodity prices. You know, with all those things you're handling on a day to day, how do you take your time out to plan and invest and take the steps necessary to manage the future things around what you need to do to decarbonise? So I think really strengthening that leadership in the industry is absolutely critical, absolutely critical to be able to achieve these things. You know, I think leadership in the industry is more than ever is, is, is more important than ever. I must be thinking about those next steps. Um, Rosina, um if people want to find out more about this this master's apprenticeship, um, what where should they look, um, and uh, what are, what are sort of the next steps? So just before I answer that question, I wanted to kind of just plug in with with my kind of um, key challenges and 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 what what if it's not relevant. But uh, I think for me, it, it, and Mark said something that really resonates with me, in that um, businesses businesses are really struggling to remain committed um, to, to a sustainability agenda. I've said this earlier. Um, and I think when when we see things such as the pandemic, we see things such as you know financial crunches. These are major shock events that businesses that affect business continuity and, and we're unable to to kind of move forward as a result of that. So I would I wouldn't be an advocate for foresight if I didn't stress on the need for businesses to think about how they build resilience into their sustainability strategies. Um, and it's particularly in, important for companies in the food and drink sector who are really critical to maintaining um, supply chain resilience. So I, I, I really kind of emphasize the need for, for thinking proactively about how you, you not only develop a, a sustainability strategy, but you implement it um, in a way that builds organizational resilience. Right, now, <laughs> back to your question, Emma, which was, you know, how do you find out more about our course? Yes. We have a course webpage. Um, it is, um, it, as I said, the course is an MSc um, in sustainability at Cranfield, um, and it is aligned to the L7 Business Sustainability Apprenticeship uh, Standard, and the Level 7 Business Sustainability um, Specialist uh, Standard, that is. Um, and we have a web, uh, a web page. Um, and, and I'm sure you'll be linking that. Will you? Will you not, Emma? Um, on your. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. So that's the best way to 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 get um, more information about the course. But we're also running a webinar um, on the third of November, 2021. Now this webinar will not only tell you a little bit more about the course, outline the structure, the content of the course, but Rosine and I will actually be delivering a, a bit of a taster session. So we'll, we'll be actually teaching elements of, of the course, very short kind of bite-sized pieces um, of, of the course, but it, it does give you a flavor and a taste for some of the skills um, and an expertise that you'll acquire as, as part of this course. So do, do join, join our webinar on the 3rd of November. Um, and more information about that webinar and how to sign up for it is on our website. Um, and I'll finish off with a last question to you all. Um, so we haven't really mentioned COP26 so, so far, although it did mention it briefly at the beginning. But with it only being, uh, it, you know, what, four weeks away from, from now as we record this, um, I would like to ask you what would be your top advice, uh, each of you, on how businesses can prepare, uh, or sort of rather can progress, 
um, on their sustainability agenda? What would be the, the first thing that comes to mind? And um, Mark, I'll, I'll come to you first. Well, I, I'll do a shameless plug for our FDF Innovation Gateway. So if you want to access some of the expertise that's um, available to you, access the gateway and we'll get you in touch with either one of the universities or one of the catapult centres and they'll talk to you one on one and give you the advice that you need. Great. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Kanisha. So I think, I mean, COP26, the fact that it's, it's, it's being hosted by the UK, I think it's, it's done a lot in terms of um, bringing sustainability to the forefront of government and, 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 and business agenda. Um, and it's actually emphasizing the need for this green transition. And courses such as what we're delivering hopefully will, will, will not solve the issue. <laughs> it, it won't equip every single person um, with the skills necessary, but it, it's a start. It's just, as Rosina said, it's a start to think about how you build that capacity for, for delivering, for developing and delivering sustainability and driving the importance of it across the whole organization. Um, and, and it's the ability to think about how you start to implement these promises and you actually turn them into kind of actionable uh, points that makes a real positive impact on your business. Uh, absolutely. And Rosina, uh, what, what would be your the first thing that comes to mind, your, your top advice? Empowering the people that you've got already in your business. So many of us, you know, data research shown, but we know more and more of us that really care about this stuff. But sometimes we don't feel like how we can bring it into our workplace. So I think that to have a sustainability strategy, it has to be something that everybody can align with and understand what it means for them where they're working in their organisation. So the more people that we can have talking about this, showcasing it, driving initiatives forward and empowering each and every person within their organisation to play their part, big or small, the, the more progress we'll be able to make and quickly. I think, I think that's a... Oh, sorry, sorry, go for it, Mark. I just want to back that up. You know, whatever the technology solution is, it's people that are going to deliver it. So it's the people we need to bring along with you. So I definitely completely support what Christina just said. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's. I was going to say that that sums it up. I think. I think really well. Um, and and then I'll just add my two pennies worth, which is um, uh, although we've not discussed it today, um, a lot of uh, our listeners will be aware that um, FDF will be soon to be launching our Net Zero Handbook for Businesses. Uh, we'll be launching on the 9th of November. Uh, and uh, then we'll be having a, a webinar on the 18th of November to, to go through some detail. But yes, there's lots of um, lots of resources available. So do have a look on uh, on our website for forthcoming events too. The FDF podcast is sponsored by Clark Energy, sustainably powering the food and drink sectors.